This is just the best part of my day. Nope, scratch that, reverse it. Roll on thunder, shine on lightning The days are long and the nights are frightening Nothing matters anyway and that's the hell of it Winter comes and the winds blow colder Well some go wiser, you just grew older You never listened anyway and that's the hell of it Good for nothing, bad in bed Nobody likes you and you're better off dead Goodbye, goodbye We've all come to say goodbye, 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 goodbye. Born defeated, died in vain Super destructive, you were hooked on pain And though your music lingers on All of us are glad you're gone If I could live my life half as worthlessly as you I'm convinced that I'll wind up burning too yeah, absolutely. But, you know, we were, I, I just, I have to remember when I'm looking at these posts on the internet, it's like, I was young and stupid once, and I'm just, I'm very thankful that there is no written record of my views and opinions when I was 13, 14 years old, you know? Yeah, I mean, you you were luckily, like, social media kind of happened at you, right, when yeah. it was a little more convenient to start you had a little bit more nuance in your thoughts and feelings when right social media i'm not happened. on you know because of uh finances and circumstance you know i'm not on facebook until like 2009 yeah finances because they made you pay like 700 dollars to get a facebook we didn't account. have internet in my house internet costs money we didn't oh, have oh, internet oh. You, that is a fair point. I That's was a like, part of my lore. It's like, like what we didn't cable? have internet. We didn't have cable. I had to entertain myself with a hoop and a stick. You know, <laughs> I had a lot of I had a lot of hoop and stick years before I had to figure out what likes were all about what the wall was talking about and that's why you overcompensate so much with like being so media starved is you're like i i had a hoop and i had a stick and that's all i had and i I was moving pictures starved child who then binge eats and and is, is a glutton for the rest of their life because because of what they were what they were deprived of when they were young but i'm worried that the movies and TV are going to disappear if I don't if I, if I don't hoard them if I don't if I don't pile them all up and take them in. Is this mountain goat shirt you're wearing? Is did I give you this mountain goat shirt? Is it the same shirt? Yeah, it's the shirt you bought at the mountain goats concert for me. Okay, can you stand up? Sorry, this isn't a visual platform. Yeah, Fashion. very fun, very Turn. fun. Twist, slay, boots, house, from their bleed out album. I remember oh, distinctly. Feeling, Webster Hall. Yeah, I was feeling kind of funky. You were feeling kind of funky. You you went on a little quest in the middle of the concert. You just kind of like went on a vision quest. I can't through remember Webster what. Hall. Yeah, I can't remember what I was feeling funky about or why. Um, but I then went on TikTok in the middle of like waiting in between acts, and I just looked up mountain goats tiktoks of the animal the mountain goats and i just I started you, binge watching <laughs> <laughs> i started binge watching them i think my joints started hurting i was probably about to get sick one thing about my body is that my joints start hurting about a day to four days before i actually come down with symptoms 
You're you're like a veteran with shrapnel in their knee, yeah. and then their knee starts hurting before the storm comes in. Exactly. It that is exactly what it feels like. But then yeah. there's no storm a coming, and I'm like, oh, there's gonna be a different kind of storm. And then there's a there's a, a dark night storm. of the soul where like I feel like I'm about to puke, and I don't puke, but then I'm up, and then I have to call out of work, and I'm like, something's about to happen, and then. Here we are anyway. And then I had false hope this weekend that I was feeling better and I was feeling better. And then today I woke up and it was like, ah, you're back. You tricky minx. Ah, you're back. Oh, not your back was hurting. I'm like, yeah, this is getting <laughs> old as like, I guess, I guess this yeah. is, I my guess neck, my back. is growing up. My pussy and my crack all aching. Tell me about it. Yeah. Hate when yeah. those cracks ache. Yeah, and the last one we were filming out in Salt Lake City in September, I slept on an air mattress for like five days straight, and my lower back was about to pop out of my body. Was yeah. my, my, my Something... lower back was about to catapult itself into the sun. I want to be one of those people who can just like sleep on the floor and be like, this is good for my back, but it is just not not my floor is okay for me. A lot of people have back trouble on the couch. I love sleeping on the couch. Cat, classic couch sleeper over here. But there's, I guess it's just the, the lack of lumbar support <laughs> offered by the conventional air mattress. And it doesn't help that uh, Vern and Nicole, friends of the pod, uh, had three air mattresses and all of them had holes in them. So I'd wake up every morning on oh my God. <laughs> a, little, a little farty little balloon. <laughs> Good whoopee cushion of a... <laughs> and ever i was like guys i didn't fart guys <laughs> and i was i woke up every morning and like my hand had been placed in a bowl of water and i'd pee pee myself you know it was, oh it was awful i woke up every morning and they with a bunch of shaving cream on my hand and then justin <laughs> would tickle my nose with a feather and i'd i'd smack it and i'd be covered in shaving cream every day i recently rewatched the Lindsay lohan parent trap and just the visceral child feeling and reaction of like oh no like what if this happens to me and then realizing like i'm a grown adult and no one's gonna bully me at <laughs> summer camp no one's gonna make me jump naked into a lake no one's yeah. gonna make me eat oreos with peanut butter that's that's all no one's gonna make me eat a lizard it was Those actually are things i vaguely remember from that really film. cute because uh when we were watching it, people brought over Oreos and peanut butter, and then they waited until the scene to like break them out. It was very That's Rocky so Horror. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You gotta. Everyone shows up to a screening of the room with a bunch of plastic spoons, and then you're like, you gotta wait to throw them at the screen until you see the spoon. Yeah, I think um, this week, I think or tomorrow. So hopefully, when I'm feeling better, I think we're doing Harriet the Spy. I don't know. Let's I don't remember. fucking go. I don't know. I don't rem- have any interactivity memories of of Harriet the Spy. I only know Rosie O'Donnell and Michelle Trachtenberg, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a diary gets opened. And I know that's going to, to have a visceral response for me as well. And I'm gonna have to be like, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. Like no, no one's, one's gonna. No re- one's gonna check your diary. No one cares. And if they do, we're um, adults and we can talk it out. Like one thing I remember from Harriet the Spy candy necklaces. I don't know if oh. you can even buy those. Yeah, you know. what happened to that? Well, I guess they're just not really like they don't really make sense in the wear and tear of daily life to wear candy yeah, around your neck. It's not a practical 
<laughs> an adult candy necklace. Oh, it's raves. Not really like a... They did. I, I remember raves in like the mid mm. aughts or the the 2010s rave culture. They were into yeah. candy necklaces, and I was like, was I should like get candy, into drugs candy? so that like I can that eat smarty, them. chalky ass candy that was on the original candy necklace, or was it you know like ex- ecstasy? I don't know because I wasn't cool enough to know. I wasn't in rave culture because of my eyeballs and brain. Yeah, and also the right the epilepsy and also um, the pacifier element of not of, into it. Yeah, I missed out on that as well. Though I do have an oral fixation. Maybe it's fixation. pacifier time for you. I have an intrusive thought fixation, but said like PlayStation fixation fixation. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good intrusive thought. That's the kind of ones <laughs> that I like. That's like, I have a weird brain disorder, where if I'm presented with a phrase that can be sung to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song, my brain knows instantly. And what is the theme song? How does that go? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you know that that meter that that pattern. Actually, if I'm yeah. presented with a phrase that. That sounds like that. I, I have know. heard you kind of use that uh, iambic pentameter of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, but mm-hmm. probably didn't recognize it. So that's I'm going to write doing. a whole play in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle theme song <laughs> like Shakespeare. Oh a play where every line can be sung to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle theme song. And it's like really emotional. It's yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's there's like no, there's no irony in it. It's just like complete... No. <laughs> If you know me, that's my exact, like, that's my favorite kind of comedy. That is the comedy that I'm always trying to pull off is, like, the dumbest thing imaginable done with, like, absolute globe theater, like, sincerity and passion and power. That is what I am. I'm always trying to crack that nut of, like, the perfect bit to do with that. And I just, I... I, Listen, that's why I had to stop doing stand-up comedy, because that was the only kind of stand-up comedy I was interested in doing. And audiences just didn't, they didn't want it. They, no. they didn't want what I was selling. They um, want a little giggle. They, they, they want, want a little g- giggle. They wanted me to talk about my mother-in-law or whatever. And I'm just not, you know, <laughs> I will not be speaking about my mother-in-law. I want to do a very serious bit about our relationship with ducks as a society. And I want you all to get on board with me. And I the audience like- said... No, thank you. I don't know. I feel, said, get I me feel like that's kind of, I, I feel like that is becoming more of a thing. You just have to, you, you know, just have to crowd. keep, yeah, you just have to keep doing it until somebody is like, oh, you're being, because I feel like Nathan Fielder, you plop that guy in a couple of spaces and you he plop. would be like, no one likes me, you know, like I'm no just, no one likes me. Yeah. I gotta, I think I'm about quitting comedy. <laughs> That was a good, that's a good Nathan. Thanks. I've listened to a lot of his voice. Have you watched The Curse? You a curse head? Not yet, but I just heard about it. Wow. Just heard about it. Only the first episode and I enjoyed it. But then I'm like, it's a television show and I have trouble keeping up with those sometimes. That's true. I forget that about you. King Mm. of hard to find time to watch TV. Yeah, what's so funny because you're so good at watching and consuming other medias and TV is just not the one. It just requires so much time to get any of it done. Do you know what I mean? And I want to like pay attention to it all. That's my key problem is that I don't want to like 
put on the new episode of For All Mankind and look at my phone. Yeah, I have a question. I feel like I missed a reference because I've been watching when I'm sick. That's really the only time I can watch a movie for some reason because of my time blindness and my ADHD where like ADHD lends itself well to time blindness and um, binge watching stuff. But it doesn't lend itself well to being like, when do I have exactly 90 minutes, exactly two hours and 15 minutes, exactly, you know, like it's, yeah, I, I think that's what it is for me and being like, and perceiving a whole story and letting go of that story in that time where I think breaking things up into chunks with TV is just more compatible for how frequently I watch things. But recently, because I've been sick, I got to watch a bunch of things. And the theme, I guess, turned into bad, rich, white people. So in the same universe of, like, White Lotus. theme at the multiplex these days. Yeah, so Saltburn, May, December, Dangerous Liaisons, and Leave the World Behind. And then yesterday, somebody wanted to watch One Flew Over the Cuckoo Nest. I was wondering, what is what does your comment mean? What what did your comment mean? Oh, on your letterbox review cuz you said what if men but crazy or something yeah. to that effect and I yeah. said how is that different from normal cuz men are crazy. You see yeah. you see what's okay. where I was. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. I'm very yeah, I'm very popular on the internet. <laughs> yeah, mine was more just that the film was so like boys club. But what if boys club were crazy? And fair enough. Boys can have a club anywhere. That's what you got to know about boys. If you put a bunch of boys together, they can have a boys club. It felt like the Rascals, but an insane asylum. Little Rascals? It felt yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> fucking Alfalfa and Buckwheat? Yeah. Uh, yeah, like what if the Little Rascals were institutionalized as adults? Like that's kind of the vibe. Okay, Kat, I'm going to cut this out of the podcast. This is a million dollar <laughs> idea that you're bringing to me right now. No. What if alfalfa and spanky and buckwheat and those are the only little rascals i can name off the top of my head were institutionalized mentally in a mental asylum yeah then you would have one flew over the cuckoo's nest yeah but no but we do it with popular ip characters like alfalfa and darla i think okay but yeah but okay it's a tv show not a film it's a tv show it's a tv show i'm listening and you get Darla is in the women's ward, so we we go into um, Girl Interrupted. I'm loving it. I'm loving where <laughs> we're going with this. So there's Girl Interrupted, and then there's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but it's Little Rascals. Because cool. so it's you know, kind of no like one... a battle of the sexes set in a mental asylum. <laughs> two two neighboring mental asylums. They're across the lake from each other, like well, summer we just, camps. We just like rewrite the plots. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know where that like rich guy comes in i think i had a crush on him the one who is like who like sang the little song he was supposed to be like the bad rich kid in the little rascals yeah oh i'm sorry i haven't I, it's been if i'm 31 years old it's been 25 years since i've seen the little rascals well, it's a really film good with movie Whoopi goldberg i'm sorry little rascals is a really good movie wow I they're believe. all so old now obviously yeah that all oh, the <laughs> ravages of time. I think I'm we, is of... this a we're bringing back the original cast thing? Are we trying? Oh, to, that'd be even better because like some of these guys look, 
some of these guys you would recognize look up waldo little rascals and i promise you this boy's face is burned well, into your child i'm memory. not going to be able to find him what do you mean because it's because it's waldo because <laughs> 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 you wear red and white stripes that was good that was good oh yes yeah yeah this little this sniveling little worm I think I had a crush on him and I knew I wasn't supposed to. And no, I think there's no, maybe... there's no laws against having a crush on Waldo. Cause he's kind of twink coded. I think I also haven't talked on the pod yet about how I'm, I'm having, because we're kind of going back to 2012 right now with like the hunger games. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm having like this weird, like straight resurgence of like feeling I'm so happy for you. Um, Former Little Rascals star Blake McIver, who played Waldo, is now a go-go dancer at gay clubs in Los Angeles. Called it. You knew. You knew. (laughs) Your gaydar is uh, primed, (laughs) hot and ready as always. Damn, where can I find this guy? You're going to have to do some digging, but um, I hope he's still out there grinding. Me too. Wow. I'm excited to go on this quest and look for this guy. <laughs> Where you're, where's Waldo, you're asking? <laughs> Where is he? But you better not run to that nefarious Oddlaw, Waldo's enemy, <laughs> who is also hidden. They like to hide from each other. They like to. I, I think so. I think it's kind of like, kind of like a homoerotic thing, like heat uh- or. Uh, he also puts recovering child actor in his Instagram. You, got, I'm, you must. I'm seeing that more and more and I'm enjoying it. And I, I've now, I'm now befriending some recovering child actors now that's that I've beautiful. moved out here. And that's kind of fun. You're opening up a big farm for recovering child actors <laughs> so they can run free and get, yeah. to, get to be with their kind. Mara Wilson's out there. Yeah. Haley Joel Osment. And I'm kind of their, I'm kind of their temple grandin, you know? Yeah, yeah, you are. You're I'm really like, the. T- I was never a cow, but I can like speak to cows, you know. <laughs> Jonathan Lipnicki finally gets to run free. I can, I can understand them. I can understand cows in a way that other people may not understand. But the cows are child actors, and I'm, and I too enjoy a squeeze machine. This Those is are nice. Course- Run the Julia is the only <laughs> podcast brave enough to cover every single cinematic work of America's sweetheart, Julia Roberts. Uh, I am one of your hosts, TV's Kevin Landigan. Uh, and if I ha- if there was one animal that I wanted to come attack me uh, in the middle of uh, uh, be if I, if I was going to get swarmed by one animal in a leave the world behind type scenario, I want my house to be surrounded by raccoons. I want to mm. look out in the night, see all those shining eyes, their little hands rubbing together because they want to eat me. That's what I want. And I'm your other host, Kat Scott, famously using they, them pronouns. And famously. if I was to have an animal in which I would look out to see of their little beating eyes, that I would, do we yell at them? Like, do we win? Do we die by their hands or do we win? That's important. That's it. Depends on you, and I suppose what uh, animal you select. Well, because I think I would like 
I don't know. I'm kind of attached to lizards right now. Like mm. I, I don't want to die by the hand at the hands of lizards, but I think it. I think thousands of tiny lizards would be kind of adorable and haunting. Absolutely, like little skinks. Like if you had a bunch of little skinks running around. Yeah, it's not something like just like little guys, little guys that you find in the sun. Little rangos. I get yeah, it. Yeah, I understand rangos. the appeal of little rangos. Yeah, I get it. Too big, and I would be kind of intimidated. I think because they would start to stack on each other. But a bunch of little guys, I'd be like, at least you're not spiders. No, thank you. Kat, did you know? This no. is the first time it's just been you and me on Run the Julias since like late August. I was going to say, uh, yeah, I think it's since the first one, right? Second one. We did Mystic Pizza solo as well. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure how this was going to go because I've been really enjoying the 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 vibe of the the guests. I, I like the guest parade as well. And the guests, the guests will return. There will thanks. be more guests. I guess it was kind of an ask to be like, hey, watch a new Julia Roberts and then join us. <laughs> watch a new Julia Roberts this weekend. You must finish it this weekend. Well, what's nice is we did, we got a letter from Julia Roberts herself. Um, we sure she, did. She finally started. A personal missive. <laughs> she finally started listening to the pod. And um, if you could read that aloud for us, um, that would be awesome. Of course. I would love uh, nothing more. I just need a moment to uh, open up this parcel. Uh, and I need just a, just a second my little letter opener. Shink! Uh, and I pull that out. <clears throat> Julia Roberts find life and her holes get better with age. <laughs> to which I say challenge accepted. Just kidding. Just hey. kidding. Yes, this is a headline. This is a, in fact, a variety, the print <laughs> edition of Variety, um, that says Julia Roberts finds life in her holes uh, get better with age. Cat, uh, good news or bad news? Great news. Okay. Great news. I found the article that we are quoting here. Bad news. Her holes is a typo. Oh, Really? Bad news, it's supposed to be rolls. She believes her rolls are getting better with age. No. I I just, I didn't want you to walk around bragging about this article and find out from someone that wasn't me. If you're going to smoke, I want you to do it in the house, you know? That's devastating. I know. Because and I'm sorry. I didn't even read it. I just assumed it was someone who was, like, really not thinking about it and was like, yeah, holes like the the deep the dark parts in her of you, mind. the yeah. <laughs> voids that are within. Like I thought it was going to be some sort of like methody actory. In, yeah, it's also not out of question that for some actors to go out there and be like, "Yeah, I'm 60 years old and my cooter's the best it's ever been." You know, that's not something I would put past it's some just of not our really famous her, stars. It's, it's not really not her. It's not Julia. Brand. No, it really isn't. She's not out in the press given randy little quotes she's not she's not for being as big of a star as she is she's pretty like off grid she doesn't like like i just i listened to her on a podcast and this is today and this is the only podcast interview with julia roberts that i could find and it was like 10 minutes long like it was and it was it was for this movie you know she like did a brief skype hop in 
to to do like a 10 minute podcast interview and then hopped out she is not public facing and so the people on this project i also didn't look it up but are the people on this project like her friends is that on the leave the world behind project yeah because i was looking at there was something where it was like the one thing that she would change is the song choice that was silly when they did the little dance i also tried to make the same podcast interview Mm -hmm. i tried to make a little list and the little list was and i couldn't this is actually i'm glad i'm bringing it to pod because so glad um what is what are other examples of uh kind of apocalypse dance scenes from media Mm. and it's probably more tv shows but that moment where like the world is going to shit and the zombies are about to come or the or the wave is about to hit or the whatever is about to happen and you have a moment with the needle drop or the dance scene and i was like i know this is a trope but i can't think of examples the only ones i could think of was nope um where they were playing music and yeah, that was really it. There's, it's not exactly what you're talking about. In the movie Saving Private Ryan, before like the big final battle, they're like listening to music on a big phonograph. It, again, it's not like post-apocalyptic, but like uh, in, in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, after Ron fucks off, like Harry and Hermione have a little dance in the big tent. You know, yeah, it, the the entire Fallout series of video games is predicated upon like these choice uh, 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 musical drops that that happen in a uh, incongruous post-apocalyptic setting. I can't think of a specifically like a dance party thing, but I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like the characters are getting something out; they're having a little fun, like they did in the before times, like in the old world. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, or it's like they're yeah they're enjoying they're getting the sillies out and you're like i know something bad's about to happen but they're gonna they're gonna have this moment of humanness where they laugh for a moment and then there's gonna be like a there's gonna be a scary face at the window or something oh there's always a fucking scary face (laughs) i know yeah there's always gonna be that 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 uh, there's going to be a jump scare that ends it or they're having a dance party and then the power is going out and the record goes like, you know, they're dancing and then the the power goes out and the record starts going slowly. And it's like, I like big butts. And I can yeah, exactly. not that lie. thong, 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 song. <laughs> thong. <laughs> a nightmare. But I know exactly, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. She thought the song was a little silly and not what she wanted for the scene. But in the podcast interview I was listening to, she had, like, it was a sense of humor about it. She wasn't, like, people like to take any disagreement that actors and directors talk about publicly as, like, this was a fucking fight, and one of them's right and one of them's wrong, you know what I mean? But it's, like, actors and directors have different opinions about how something should be done constantly. They are they are completely different uh jobs being performed by very different kinds of people and like yeah and and actors mostly viewing a project through one lens them and like a, a director has to kind of look at like the whole piece and and if, in various different points either the actor's right or the director's right but like usually it's an amicable discussion you know uh boy not to talk about star wars but like there's just a whole contingent of people that would talk about like 
Mark Hamill in The Last Jedi because, like, you know, Mark Hamill and Ryan Johnson had different ideas of how that character should be, and they like to talk about it as if, like, Mark Hamill was done a, a, a great disservice by what happened. But it's like, yeah, actors and directors, they disagree all the time. That thong, 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 Neo-intrusive thought. Unlocked. No, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, anytime, anytime the podcast shuts down, anytime nobody, nobody has anything to say, <laughs> it's so dumb, dumb, Um, one thing that I've been working on, not related to this film, which we will yes. eventually talk about, we will is, talk about. since I've had this free time, I've been watching the bad, um, the big bad and the ugly, the bad, rich white people movies, <laughs> um, and... Uh-huh. And the other thing that I've been doing is hyperfixating on my PowerPoint for my annual PowerPoint birthday party. Love it. Um, my new theme is my romantic wrapped, like Spotify wrapped. And Love it. It, it's the statistics and kind of like what I did and didn't do. And because I didn't sleep with quite as many people as I did the last few years, um, I got to do a deep dive. And then I've also gone in and I've, I've thought of, I've found as many star signs of the people I've slept with over the last forever wow. um, as I could. And then I put them into different graphs and bar charts. And then I showed kind of a trend of which which star signs I'm trending towards. I even included friendships and friendships that I've kept in my life. And so you are featured in one of the charts um Thank you. as a you're actually you predate most star signs because um you were you you were from straight era which is like wow. not a lot of my friends stuck around through and and i have friends of course but the friends that i talk to regularly or re- like have consistent projects with or whatever it's a little different and straight era um you you are the only sagittarius that i could find um from that That's right. chapter of my life of friendship. Um, and then I put in different entry points. The highest population is um, Taurus and Gemini are wow. the highest population of romantic or sexual encounters that I've had. I mean, you know, congratulations to the Taurus and Gemini. You know, they, they stay winning. They stay feasting. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Do you want to talk about this brand new Netflix film that we are uh, here to podcast about? Yeah. Oh, Julie Roberts is a Scorpio. Scorpio is also pretty high for me. Congratulations. Well, so you so you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying holes. <laughs> Her holes get better with age, I've heard. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm told. And uh, yeah, so we are here. Something we haven't had to do on the podcast before. Uh, we are here to talk about a brand new movie. As of this recording, you know, it's only been out on, on Netflix for three days. It had a tiny theatrical window around Thanksgiving. Uh, but uh, just I just don't think those seats were packed, unfortunately. Because um, even I didn't make it out to, to see this movie in theater, sadly. Um, we are here to talk about uh, the new Netflix apocalyptic thriller Leave the World Behind. Uh, written and directed by Sam Esmail, based on the best-selling book Starring Julia Roberts, Ethan Hawke, Mahershala Ali, and others. There are there are other people in this film. Kevin Bacon, and Kevin also Bacon. A, a few other people, but not that many other people. Very small, limited scope of cast. 
like a real locked in thriller set in a house almost entirely i do feel like Um, film critics are going to look back at this time and be like you can really tell even though i don't know if this is an example but mm -hmm. i think it's going to be kind of an exercise for film students to be like and what films do you think were filmed during covid 19's lockdown right yes this was not filmed during covid 19 But But it gives that. It is what I would call COVID cinema, which is like, it's the feelings of COVID-19. And it's the feelings of having a skeleton crew and keeping it really tight in terms of how many people are in that film. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, an incredibly limited cast of like, maybe, maybe like a dozen people, even including like all the like, news reporter voices that we hear throughout the film or something like that like a really small scope almost entirely set within the walls of this one crazy rich person house um they barely go driving you know it's just like it's so it it almost feels like it was a play it's not it was a book but like it feels like i don't know when you watch a movie that was a play and you're like oh right we're just going to be in this living room for almost all of who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. Like it's, this is where we're hanging out is in this living room. Um, and that's, and that's the way of it. Um, I confess to not being familiar with the book that this film is based on. Kat, were you aware? Were no, you aware I, of this book? No, I didn't know there was a book. I didn't either. I'm, I'm bad at keeping up with popular contemporary books um i read what i what i consider to be a fair number of books i've read 29 books this year but almost none of them are like contemporary front of bookstore shelf bestsellers you know yeah i didn't know this had any roots to anything specifically if anything it was when the like wild title sequence started and it was like and the obamas i was like (laughs) Oh, okay. <laughs> right. It's going to be that yes. kind of movie. That's um, something that we could talk about. Is that like, you know, uh, in an interview with Variety, the Julia Roberts and her holes paper of record, Barack Obama or said, or maybe the producer said they were getting notes from producer Barack and Michelle Obama uh, that were essentially like ways to make the movie more realistic to what would happen. Like this, I know it's based on a book that Barack Obama didn't write, but it does kind of feel like from the desk of the former president of the United States, here's our ways he was briefed as to how the world might come to an end. You know right. what I mean? This, yeah. This was, uh, this was on his orientation paperwork. Well, I can also say that um, that there have been references to some of the things within the uh, Bush side of the family that echoed similar things where I was like, I also remember hearing things of this, like, Rumors of an evil cabal that's ruling and calling the shots. I've heard, like, whispers of, like, referenced things. I've also heard about um, bunkers and privileged, like, privileged bunkers and who <laughs> Bougie learns- bunkers. Yeah, yeah, bougie bunkers. And who gets to learn first. And that is also accurate that it's, like, the reality is that it's a much weirder unknown outlier that is world ending but that the privileged do get a heads up and see those trends first i was kind of confused about the whole time i thought he was gonna like reveal that he was like some kind of like government 
like agent or something. But instead he was like, I just see these trends with my clients. But I do know that the wealth management side of things do get intel on things like basically just that the the 1% of the 1% gets a head up, gets a heads up when Mm -hmm. something big is about to go down. And of course, that has ripple effects the way that people are like, well, you knew about 9-11. Um, and I can't confirm or deny. Right. The the Rock was the first person to know that we got Bin Laden, right? And tweeted it out. You know, like the, these weird, these weird sort of connections. Yeah, there is, there is a, there is a through line and a truth to that um, first dibs does go to the 1% of the 1% when a global crisis is going down. Mm-hmm. And any inkling of somebody finding out first it kind of goes to that one percent and then it goes to the public absolutely and there's something that that the Marshall ali uh character gh says in the movie is that like there's almost something more terrifying that the most powerful people on earth all they get is a heads up you know what i mean like they're it, 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 it's it's towards the end of the movie yeah. um in uh, kind of i think part and parcel with his big monologue is that like Actually, there's no shadowy cabal running the world. There are obviously powerful people who have the ability to manipulate things, but, like, is it more or less scary that really, like, there isn't anybody super in charge, you know? And then Um, I also heard that and was like, that was a convenient moment to be like, haha, well, now you know the producers are the Obamas. And now they're trying to tell you that there isn't, um, where I still have heard whispers that there is some element of that though that the one percent of the one percent is calling calling all the shots and there's it's bipartisan right well when you get to that sort of stage like there is no left or right there is only money there's no red or blue there is green right like your your ultimate political party is amassing money and holding on to it right and And also when money is not an object anymore then it's power over the money it's like a weird yeah it's like goes it supersedes money into a into a beyond point that's more power oriented in a structure that i don't understand and that is something i'm trying to focus on in a smaller level in the tv show i'm trying to write about the secret society in st louis of the veiled profit ball um but i'm having a hard time tapping into it so actually this movie was probably kind of helpful for that um I'm yeah, I'm hoping to see some some leave the world behind influence. In, uh, in <laughs> Which like I, I ended up really liking this movie. I thought this movie was ultimately like very effective for I a movie was fine. that that was and feels like it was getting notes from Barack Hussein Obama between takes of like how to make it more realistic, you know? Yeah. Um, but I felt it ultimately it's uneven. There's there's things that don't square. I'm sure we're gonna get into it, but I ultimately was like. I was very compelled. I really wanted to see how this uh, shook out. I did watch it in like three sittings, which is how I watch most movies uh, <laughs> these days. But um, you know, we I, I made it work, and I and I enjoyed it a great a great deal. Uh, but you know, we can kind of walk through this somewhat from the beginning. I guess as a general summary, this movie is about the the family of uh, Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke, their characters. Uh, are taking a break from big city life. They're going to go get away from it all, rent a super expensive, nice mansion on Long Island uh, to get away from it all. And then while they're having this little uh, vacation, it does feel like the world starts to end. And then the owners of the house show up at the door to be like, hey, 
uh, we need to come back early because things are not looking good. Uh, and the film is then sort of a, a mystery, an unraveling of what is going on, what isn't going on, what is the nature of, of this, this, is it an attack? Is it uh, a crazy uh, environmental happenstance? Like, they don't really know. And it's personal drama and this overall mystery kind of intermingling. Um, yeah, gets gets a gets a big thumbs up for me. And, you know, for the listeners out there, there I think we're going to get into, like, full spoilers here. Um, I, I If you are trying to watch this very new movie for the first time, like, go ahead and pause this and come back later after you've watched it if you're worried about being spoiled, because I think we're going to get into... Uh, every detail that we care to get into. Yeah, I think from the start of the movie, I didn't think I was going to watch it in one sitting. I think I took like a little break to get food and then ultimately was like, yeah, I'll stay up because what else am I going to do? And I think I was whatever. I decided I think I did watch it in one sitting. Um, But the start of it is when I texted you and I was like, what is... What is the tone? Because the opening yes. tone is so bad and canned the, the and weird. The cold open seed is actively bad, and it made me go, "Oh no!" Yeah, <laughs> it was giving. Was like, Uh-oh. <laughs> it was giving the same quality of performance as Magic Mike's last dance, and I was really <laughs> concerned. <laughs> and it was all over the place, and it was hard to dial in. Like, how heightened is this? Because, like. How stylized is this dialogue supposed to be? Because it doesn't read like human dialogue. So is it supposed to be, you know, this very unreal? How big and broad are the performances supposed to be? Because uh, our girl Julia is almost the entirety of the opening scene. And it's it's not it's not perfect, the, the entire construction of the thing. I never want to say that she is giving a bad performance because this is Run the Julia's. I, I always have to say, look for something else. I'm like, is it the writing? I mean, she's a great actress, so she can really supersede any good, any bad writing to favor her. Um, what What is it? And I definitely started overthinking what was bad mm-hmm. about it. I think end of day, I think that was just probably a scene that we didn't actually really need. I think no. a lot of movies start with like, you're in the car on the way to the place. Um, and I don't know why. I don't know why the scene was so important to be at the top of the movie and the cold open. Yeah, cold opens, and then we get, like, a really bizarre... I mean, like, an opening credit sequence that is, like, nice to look at. It's, like, shapes changing into other shapes, you know, very aesthetically pleasing, like, red and white. But, like, it's also atonal with the rest of the movie, because it's, like, big and bombastic, and they're playing, like, loud, you know, pounding sort of music. And I... So, the... Julia Roberts going, like... I fucking hate people. And then smash cut to like crazy opening credits. I was like, what, what is going on? What are we in for? And the rest of the movie is not like that. Very not much. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> and like I was kind of like looking, I think I was looking for that beat to come back. And so I think as like a audience member, I was kind of like waiting for that tone. I was kind of always waiting for something that didn't happen. And that kind of like took me out of the, Yeah. It took me out of the the experience of it because I think I was always looking for something that was about to happen that never did. I think I was looking for a job, like a real job reveal that was never to happen. I think I was waiting for a mom reveal that never ended up happening. I, Mm -hmm. I think I was waiting for a, 
when they were at the Philharmonic, like when they found out, like that yeah. moment. I There's was waiting lot. for that. I think the even up through like the end the of boy. what you might call the first act or like the first chapter of this movie is like not a good setup for the quite good movie that is to follow because like by the time uh, GH and his daughter show up, like the way the scene is done, the way the performances are done, and the way that it ultimately resolves with them in bed, I'm like, it seems like they're lying. It seems like they are not who they are pretending to be. It seems like this is a home invasion sort of situation. Did you see Knock at the Cabin, the M. Night Shyamalan movie? No. Oh. I was getting a lot of very heavy Knock at the Cabin vibes from the the first 30-ish minutes of this movie. Um, which was a or movie like, I also really, really enjoyed from earlier this year. Barbarian was kind of like a false, um, a false villain where it was like, we both got booked for this Airbnb, but how it was like kind of a similar plot as we both got booked for the Airbnb somehow. And so you're supposed to be suspicious of the. Right, and they um, cast that Skarsgård who looks fucking exactly. weird and creepy. It's like and perfect casting it. for yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, and and then it ended up being false alarm. That was the same thing here, where they were supposed to. I I also thought there was going to be like a, uh, the microaggressions and racism was going to be maybe a little more, little more, little more addressed than it was. It was a little bit, but it wasn't like super. Right. I'm resolved. like, okay, are we making a, a Karen movie? Is that, yeah. is that what this is all about? Yeah. Julia and Roberts playing Karen. We didn't see the, we didn't see a lot of setup played out. We didn't see like the dad hitting on the, which I didn't even really feel like he was hitting, but the, the way no. the daughter was like, oh, like that's definitely what was happening. We didn't see anything happen with the 16 year old. We didn't see anything happen with other than his like teeth falling out but that had nothing to do with the rest of the setup of the movie and um the way that he kept planting fear in the sister didn't i think i was just like thinking of other horror movies where they did things well and it was like i think the the son in hereditary was way more like crafted out played out whatever than this guy yeah this is um, kind of a real hereditary family setup the the skeletal mean mom and the the sort of doofy son and the very strange daughter and the really just sort of sort of their father figure affably there uh yeah it's a real it's a real hereditary style family i think my 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 takeaway, my ultimate kind of resolution about this movie is that it is, and as someone might call this a cop out. It's a movie, and I assume a book that is about the nature of not knowing things. Uh, like we never learn the the nature of this apocalypse and what is really happening. There's some things we do know, and there's some things that we don't know, and that just kind of happens from having characters who are not the protagonists of life. You know, like when you're watching like Independence Day, which is similarly kind of a disaster scenario movie, like the three main characters of Independence Day are the three most important characters on planet Earth. Uh, whereas like this is sort of like what it would be like to be somewhat of a, a civilian, admittedly like an, a, a well-to-do moneyed civilian, but a civilian in this all the same. And so like 
the ending of this movie sort of supposes that like these six people are going to go live in an underground bunker together with food and water and a massive shelf of DVDs. And so like, we're kind of left with all these unknowns. Like are either of the men going to get creepy with the, the young daughter, you know, are Julia Roberts and Mahershala Ali going to make good on this kind of spark that's forming between them? Uh, are any of these things that are happening, like, are they going to amount to anything? And that is sort of like the sick pit in your stomach sort of question that you're supposed to, to leave this movie with as the Friends theme song is playing. Um, and I, I find that effective if done well. And I found it effective here. But also if someone was like, if, if you, Cat were to say like complete cop out did not pay off on anything you set up, I, I understand that equally as well. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think I don't love endings like this where I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, a lot of stories end with like, and we don't know. And at a certain point, it's like, okay, so do we just not have to like finish stories ever <laughs> anymore? <laughs> like, is, is that the modern... And it's really deep to never finish anything. Um, <laughs> if that's true, then I feel really good about what I can make out there. I can totally <laughs> write stories. With I love not finishing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> with ADHD, happy to... If that is the tone and we're all on board with that, mm-hmm. as long as no one criticizes me when I do it, sure, let's do it. Let's go for it. <sighs> Right. I mean, this is kind of it's not that simple, but like there's a there's a Mark Marin joke about like people saying, you know, uh, at, you know, Marvel movies and Star Wars movies are for adults. And he's like, no, they're not for adults. Being an adult is going to the movies and not understanding the ending. Be- being an adult is watching movies and going, did he die at the end? What happened? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of what it feels like sometimes. And it can be sometimes very profound and sometimes just like a real like oh fuck you like finish it come on tell me what happens come on yeah i've been enjoying i've been enjoying the the villain wins and dances the the villain wins and dances is is and i won't i won't spoil too many current movies that are doing this but you know i think joker kind of ends that way like just, he danced down the stairs. Yeah, I think I think the villain wins and dances is more what I want out of movies, <laughs> and I'm enjoying Fair that enough. ending. If if we're gonna end with the we don't know, or we're gonna end with the villain wins and dances, I'm I want to see, I want to see a dance. I'm so the, yeah, I think more movies should end with dancing. We got to go back to like the year 2000 Bollywood. when like you make the movie Rat Race and it ends with them dancing to All Star by Smash Mouth. Or just Bollywood in general usually Absolutely. Ends all of their stuff, yeah. Yeah, RRR, which I just ordered a bootleg Blu-ray of, like more movies should end with a triumphant dance sequence no matter what the movie has been about previously. Yeah, like uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest could have been made better with Chief dancing. At the end, Chief, he throw the he throw the water fountain through the window, and then he do a little dance. <laughs> yeah, his yeah. little victory dance. Yeah, I think that'd be sick. Um, I know this isn't a pod about May December, but oh, we can talk about May December as much as you fucking. I would love want. to talk about May. Let's let's pivot. Um, let's pivot. Let's Film of the year, number one. <laughs> you didn't like it. 
No, I loved it. It's film of the year. Okay. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. Or no, it, 10 out of 10. <laughs> like, masterpiece. I enjoyed it. And I was thinking I would really enjoy the same premise, but Taylor Swift. I don't know why it was a one for What does one that for mean? Me. I know that's your letterbox review. What does that mean? I think I just, I want Natalie Portman and the same plot of her following and then becoming and then falling into it and then the deception. But Julianne Moore is Taylor Swift? Yeah. I mean, and yeah, ta- that's, that sounds like and, a guy. That sounds and good. Taylor Swift's whole, like, whole journey and, like, kind of really going into, like, all of the, like, society's, like, takedowns of all mm-hmm. of Taylor Swift's boyfriends that she's dated over the years and, like... Becoming a Taylor all- Swift method actor by dating, like, John Mayer. Exactly. And yeah, and, like, fucking the guys that, like... And, like, mm-hmm. like seducing some of the guys in Taylor's life and then just going to method with it. And I don't know. There's just something there between, I think, Natalie Portman and Taylor Swift <laughs> that I want to see play out. I know Taylor Swift and a 36-year-old woman who seduces a 13-year-old um, is a very different story. And I'm not saying they're similar at all. But mm-hmm. I think I wanted the same treatment of going into the psyche and then manipulating the people in their life. Because people have accused Taylor Swift for so long of being manipulative and I don't think I think I go back and forth every era of Taylor's of being like she's actually fine she's a mastermind manipulator she's actually not she is she's actually not at all she definitely is she's not she def no she is this time she isn't yeah exactly and I think I'm that's probably why she was on a top artist of the year for me, which surprised me because I was like, I don't even really care about her that much, but I guess I listened to... You were exploring. You I were... guess, yeah, I guess I listened to enough discography across the board, like different ones enough yeah. times, but also... The different eras, I, if you will. But I also think there's a conspiracy of that they bump her algorithm to the top. Like, I think there's so much there with her um, that is worth... And I think she's so locked tight as a as a business person and as her lawyers and all of that, I think like you you can't access her. So I think it would have to be a movie like this where it's like a fictionalization of a character that would be like Taylor Swift because you can't actually touch Taylor Swift. Of course. Yeah. But I think I I think I want to see Natalie Portman try to seduce Travis, the 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 chief's guy. Yeah, Natalie Portman goes after Travis Kelsey, and it's and, exactly the same scene from May December. And I and, <laughs> and I she's think like, I want- that's what adults do. Well, yeah, except instead of it being like he's a thirteen-year-old, it's he's you know concussed, dumb. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess yeah, he has CTE instead of yeah, instead of being a thirteen-year-old trapped in a. Grown and you've man's seen body. those you've seen those tweets or whatever, right? Where it's like. Um, did we talk about that last pod where it was? No, we haven't. We haven't podcasted in a month. You know, all the Travis Kelsey old tweets are are that's fresh news. Well, there was there was a tweet that like um, there was some something was making was being like Taylor Swift is a predator for yes uh, yes yes yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. the greatest tweet of all time. I'll never leave Twitter.com if they keep posting shit like that. Yeah, Taylor Swift is a predator for in- preying on a man with concussions. Exactly. That's, I think, the kind of treatment, that's probably where I found, that was probably kind of the subconscious choice of where I thought, because, like, obviously she's not one. No, that's the stupidest thing anybody's ever said. 
I, I'm okay. So what is the discourse around May, December? Because I keep hearing there's discourse, but I exist in a vacuum without seeing any of it. All I see on social media is mm-hmm. Palestine stuff and then criticism of people who are not doing enough with Palestine stuff. And then um, like parasocial reality TV stars and then <laughs> like vacation pictures. And that's really just like kind of okay. all my social media right now. Um, so I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I, or podcasts, I guess I listen to and their mm-hmm. parasocial videos of the podcast. If I was a Patreon sure. subscriber, which I'm not so clips of them. Um, mm-hmm. So if anything's happening with May, December, I've yes. missed it. What is it? Okay. Well, uh, yes, let me tell you. Because the May-December discourse is not something I could have predicted walking out of the movie. Okay? Because I walk out of May-December, which is about, you know, Julianne Moore is playing a very, you know, slanted version of Mary Kay Letourneau. A real teacher who slept with a real, like, 13-year-old student. Did she have a family? I think so. Yeah, it's very, it's a very, like... They're, they're filing the serial numbers off, but it's basically that, you know, they just take it, she worked at a pet store instead of being a teacher. Um, right. But it's, oh, but it's my, the same idea. My, she has the same speech is impediment. It, is yeah. it the same? Oh, I was wondering what the what the fuck that was, because that yeah, just she has was the never addressed. Impediment. And the um, way that she, like, modulates it up when she wants to deflect and be seen as vulnerable, and she tones it down. Oh, I mean, it's, uh, it's I was it's curious brilliant. about that, too. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, um, my... But, cousin my second cousin who was an adjunct professor at NYU and helped me draft the first draft of the pilot that I've been working on not nepotism we didn't know we were related (laughs) and then we found out yeah anyway that'll be its own thing um but she um she wrote the finale to the limited series a teacher and I think Mm. it's probably based off of the same person but it was Kate Mara and she wrote the finale, which is no. like they meet up like 10 years later and the impact that it's had on both of them and how. And sure. um, I was pretty impressed because I hate I hated Notes on a Scandal, which I had to watch in English class. So Sucked fucked up. up. I had to watch Notes on a Scandal in English class with a professor that I felt and kind of notes. complicated about. And I had to watch this like affair between uh, an it was a woman with like a boy and but feeling complicated about that and like the i we had to take like sides and the assignments and whatever and so i don't i don't love this topic obviously i don't think a lot of people do um some i think people can relate to it though i think people can relate to grooming and i think they can also relate to like the double standard of grooming's a hot topic right now and people have various opinions about where the grooming grooming line is some people think like five years you know is a manipulative age gap relationship um i call those people 14 years old but um but but so all this to say you know this is the subject of the movie may december and it is about natalie portman who plays an actor going to research the the julianne moore character for a role they're they're adapting this story into a movie um and I and and I watched that movie and I love it and I and I'm and I you know I laughed a surprising amount. I had no idea what the movie was about. It was called May December and it has that poster and I'm like, oh, this is like another weepy lesbian romance yeah. movie. Like yeah. I'll go see it. People seem to like it, but I'm like, 
another one of these, you know, like a, a but it's not that at all. You obviously. famously hate lesbians, right? Is what yes, you're I famously hate lesbians. Um, no, I famously hate boring movies. I, fa- <laughs> I famously hate movies like, that. Ammonite. Ammonite is the number one example of like who gives a shit. But, so that's what the fucking subject of the movie, and that's like a live grenade of a subject for a movie. I remember the licorice pizza discourse, you know what I mean? Ooh, I was there was in rough. the licorice pizza trenches, that mostly watching weird. in the trenches, but it was like a lot. People had very firm, you know, stances they were taking on the film licorice pizza. I think I don't have a firm stance, I just like couldn't enjoy it. because You of, saw it though? I saw it, and I couldn't sure. like fully enjoy it, because I was just like, I'm confused. Uh, but I was there for the Liquor's Pizza Discourse, and I remember how toxic and noxious it was. And I was like, May, December, if anybody pays attention to this movie, you know, because, like, Red Rocket came out the same year as Liquor's Pizza and is worse and is actively about grooming, and no one paid attention or knew about that movie. So, like, it, it dodged a bullet, right? And if anybody pays attention to May, December, this is going to be the worst winter in human memory. And the movie comes out. And the discourse that you see endless debates and threads about is about whether or not it is a comedy. That is what people are in the streets fighting each other about, is whether or not May, December is a comedy. I know. I don't remember, I don't remember laughing that much. I remember thinking it was like clever. I thought, I thought it was a really clever movie. Oh, I laughed a lot because it's a comedy. Because because it's a it's a dark comedy. Uh, what it's are like, some moments that you laughed? Because I didn't see it in theaters. I watched it okay. alone, sick in my room. Which right. Was a the theater vibe. that I was in was cackling and laughing and hooting and hollering. So, like five minutes, less than five minutes into the movie, Julianne Moore opens up a refrigerator. The camera dollies in on her face as dramatic music plays, and then she says. I don't think we have enough hot dogs. Yeah. (laughs) Which is one of the funniest things that's happened in a movie in years. It's a comedy. It's a dark comedy. It might be a distasteful comedy. Whether or not, like, one thinks it is particularly funny, more scenes than not are played with a comedic slant. The, The stoner former son Georgie, you know, like that whole element coming in. Um, I, one of my favorite lines in the year 2023 came from this movie which was like i can't tell if i'm traumatizing you in real time or not whatever that line was where yeah when he he says it on the roof when he's yeah oh my god i was obsessed with that because i've had moments of that where my where my parents are like oh sorry that's a quarter in the therapy jar though to be fair I was the one who ended up paying for the therapy. That right, was just a bit they between them. They didn't um, pay for shit. Yeah. But, but I very much, I thought that was a great moment. So that was funny. And it was also something that was like, you know, a little, a little sad, a little funny sad. Yeah. It, it's so, I guess, isn't it? I think so the it final would, scene of the movie where we see like what the movie is that they are filming is like a brilliant comedic moment. I was, that was, was hysterical. Okay. That was bad, right? Yes, it was bad. They Like, all of this. The whole, like, she, Natalie Portman blew into this town and, like, dug up family secrets and tore this family apart, whether or not deserved to be torn apart, like, sowed seeds of discords and broke up a marriage for, like, 
a shitty Lifetime movie. Okay, I'm glad that that's what it... Because I was... It was one of those things where, like, recently I watched um, in Dawson's Creek... Dawson's Creek! Go! 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 (laughs) Where... (laughs) Where Katie Holmes sings On My Own and Dawson falls in love with her. Do you know the scene that I'm talking about? I I don't. I'm On my own... Pretending he's beside I hate that in movies and shows where you don't know whether or not the singing is supposed to be good. It drives me crazy. Or it's nice when it's nice when it's confirmed, but it is maddening when it's like, but that was objectively terrible. And then the person's like, I'm so in love with you. So with this, we didn't get to we didn't get to know. I wish it had been a little more obvious that it was a bad movie because I left being like, wait, do I just think that that looked like bad production value? No, it looked because- like softcore porn. Like it, yeah. looked like it was, it was awful. When, when Natalie Portman is like, when they're trying to cast like the, the, the 13 year old that she's having sex with and she's looking at all these pictures of 13 year olds and going like, and like Not they're they're so young, yeah. And then she's like, "We need to find a sexier thirteen-year-old." I mean, you don't have to laugh, but that's comedy. That's a joke. It yeah, it was funny in that. I don't know. It was funny that it is so realistic too. I don't know. Like Absolutely. you're like that is how that is how Hollywood a they are so jaded. Like they that is just how like non whatever. Like, I don't know. That's just how people, it's still like that. Like there isn't, um, yeah. And I, I felt like the way Natalie Portman was playing, I felt like she was playing the version of herself that people think she is. Yes. 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 It's the, it's the Natalie Portman performance that I've wanted my entire uh, relationship with Natalie Portman. Closer's Natalie Portman. Yeah. That like. The, she gets hit with allegations all the, the can't act allegations and i really? think oh yeah, yeah 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 it's a constant like topic of conversation is can she act um and i think yeah, to watch may december and like not and and come away with it not thinking that like natalie portman is completely in control of this like she she has this car by the steering wheel so firmly two hands ten and two it's she's incredible in in may december she's unbelievable i kind of no that was kind of a fucked up thought i i I just remembered we're actually recording and we're not having a conversation Um. (laughs) (laughs) some things you don't want on the record she also finally is tapping into like her comedy potential, which we all remember from Lonely Island's Natalie yeah. Portman rap, that yeah, like we were all obsessed funny. with, and yeah. then she hasn't really capitalized that on in any thing. way since then. Yeah, that is the that is the reference of her work, of her body, of whatever. That actually, that is what I thought about the most in this movie was yeah, Natalie Portman she's tapping on Natalie into Portman. it. Yeah, and like her doing like Harvard rap thing. Um, and somebody somebody said that i don't remember who and it was probably a headline again overheard on a tiktok of a headline through a person word of mouth whatever that she was anxious about how she looked like aging in this movie which is insane if you watch the movie because yeah and i didn't hubba hubba yeah I, i had forgotten about that comment by the time you know yeah whatever yeah. it started happening because i was like no she looks normal she unbelievable looks, yeah. yeah and 
And so yeah. does Julia Roberts. Yeah, Julia. I think Julia Roberts looks great, and I. For someone who's like what pushing sixty? Come on, tell me she, about it. She does her little Julia Roberts like. What's interesting about Julia Roberts in this on this side of two thousand is she withholds her smile until the right moment now, yeah. and she's cast in things where they're like she's cold, and yeah. then she'll give you the smile as a payoff, and I think that's a cool. I think yeah, we cool wait device. kind of the whole movie for this. We wait until the rap dance party scene for for the smile, the trademark Julia Roberts smile. And I think that's what she I think that's kind of what she's cast for now. I think she's cast to like be cold and then have this payoff smile. And I think that's kind of cool. Um, but back to May, December. <laughs> I'm so sorry to, to have tried the May, to December pod. Yeah. To May, December pod. pod. <laughs> what were <laughs> what were some other some other thing i'm surprised that the discord well that's surprising to me i i thought it was really clever i mean i thought it was kind of in that like you know little miss sunshine era of movies that are dark comedy eras that were like yeah. la- we're like we're we've we've been lacking and i think saltburn is similar there's mm-hmm. saltburn is a similar it's similarly there's some really funny parts and then it's not i wouldn't say it's not as like well crafted um it's mm-hmm. aesthetic, but I don't think it's as. Todd Haynes, he's he's one of the greats. He's one of the masters. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, but uh, Elmore Fennell, maybe she'll get there. You know what I mean? It, it's her it, second movie. You can't expect her to be on the May December level yet. That'd be crazy. Who is she? Jordan Peele? Who is she? Greta Gerwig? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. It's just a yeah. I I was shocked that that is what the discourse has been. Maybe it's because we did the licorice pizza discourse already. Uh, but I was I was baffled that that was what we were doing debating whether or not it's a comedy yeah but anyway may december on netflix now right where you can watch leave the world behind check them check them both out if you got a long weekend the holidays are coming up probably gonna oh, have wow. some time to kill i didn't realize he did velvet goldmine that's one of my favorite movies Velvet goldmine uh carol you know a, a a very popular holiday lesbian film yeah i will uh, be watching that that is on my roster of holiday movies i always safe watch with it. julianne moore uh, he did an incredible short film called Superstar, the Karen Carpenter story, which is the story of Karen Carpenter done entirely with like custom modified Barbie dolls. Um, and it's legitimately like an incredibly affecting and beautiful piece of work. Um, can sometimes be a little hard to track down, but uh, I have a copy if any personal friends are listening. And um, yeah, I just, I don't know, becoming a big Todd Haynes guy. Yeah, I mean, I love Carol. I love Velvet Goldmine. That's awesome. Um, yeah. What a guy. I don't know the other movies. Is I'm not there. The That's the Bob Dylan one, but it's not yeah. actually Bob Dylan, and where he's played by like eight people. Uh, Isn't Kate one Blanchett of them? And yeah, Richard Gere I was going to say Heath one Ledger. of them. Kate Blanchett. For um, the only one of them that was nominated for an Oscar for that movie was Kate Blanchett. I think. Kate Blanchett couldn't play this character in May December because she had already done notes on a scandal, but I feel like it would have yeah. been a similar, similar vibe. Kate, you know, Kate has actually come up a shocking amount on this. Yeah, I can't, just and it's me. It's it's me who's always bringing it's her me. up. Hi, hi, I'm the, I'm the problem. I but keep... you know, it came up in Closer because she was the original cast for Closer, right? Like that is why it came up in the context of Closer. But I actually think in either of these cases. Julia Roberts was the right 
casting for Leave the World Behind, and Julianne Moore was the right casting for sure, December. Sure, I think Kate's, yeah. Kate's alchemy is not right. I love Kate Blanchett eternally. I love Tar. Big Tar head. Love Tar. Uh, love Tar. And you hate lesbians. I, lo- I love that you love Tar because you hate I lesbians. hate lesbian. <laughs> Famously. Uh, yeah, but I love Tar. She's, uh, she's the good lesbian. My favorite lesbian is... Uh, what the fuck? What the f- what the <laughs> fuck were you talking about? Can we? You want to segue back to leave the world behind? Sure. You yeah. want to try? I really enjoy the direction of this movie. I think it reminds me a lot of David Fincher's Panic Room, if you've seen that. But just like no. the way, the way we're like passing between floors of the house as if it's one continuous crane shot is really cool. All the cool overhead shots that we're doing, like this movie was obviously not filmed in a real house because you cannot, you cannot do that in a real house. You cannot do an overhead grade shot. So like, this is obviously on a set somewhere. Um, but it's just like a cool visual that it looks different from other movies that are coming out these days. It has a, it has a unique visual language that's all its own. I'm, I'm completely unfamiliar with the previous work of writer director, Sam Esmail. Um, he did one movie before this called Comet. He of course did Mr. Robot is, I guess, probably what he is most famous for the television show, Mr. Robot. Mm. And, um, he did the show. Yeah, and he did the Amazon Prime original series Homecoming, starring one Julia Roberts. Not Beyonce's Homecoming. Nah, Beyonce's Homecoming. You know what's a five-star movie, though? Beyonce's Homecoming? Oh, okay. Renaissance. Haven't haven't checked it out, but it's a a film by Beyonce. She directed this, correct? Yes. Wow, auteur era. She's been doing her own concert films, and I think that's an interesting... That's an interesting avenue for like a musician to take to become kind of like the auteur of their own presentation on on the screen. Yeah, and she makes very clear that she has oversight over all things, and she's calling yes. all the shots. I think she does it well. I don't think she needs to do anything differently for who she is and what she wants to do. She I seems think- to be completely in charge of it. She seems to like know exactly what she wants and people seem to love it and, and yep. be all over it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We've come a long way since gold member when it comes to Beyonce. I've thought about watching gold member recently. I remember really liking her in dream girls again, though I was 13. So yeah. I don't so know you thought if that the greatest was, showman was the best musical of all time. Yeah, right. I get it. I understand <laughs> as every 13 year old does, even before that movie existed. So was, um, Nope. I'm still thinking of May, December. Sorry. Was, you know, I mean, come on. Let's. <laughs> what are we doing? Let's go. Come on. <laughs> so, was May December referencing this All American Girl, the Mary Kay Letourneau story? Which yes, is, I mean, it's referencing. It's obviously like the there's there's like a photo of Julianne Moore with the baby in prison. That's like the exact photo of Mary Kay Letourneau with okay. her baby in prison. Like it's it is a direct reference to the whole Mary Kay Letourneau story, which was a gigantic tabloid story at the time. Yeah, um, I just missed the whole thing. So. We were too young for it. We 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 were we were not above board when it came to we were we were we were in the crib during the Mary Kay Letourneau thing. Um so we were yeah, we were just not MTV's welcome to my crib. Yeah, we were we were on MTV's Cribs. We were too busy. We were making Cribs. You and I were directing every episode of Cribs, and we we didn't have time to engage with tabloid journalism. But yeah, the whole thing is like a reference to this this story that honestly I was not familiar with before I saw May December. 
And then also, someone yeah. told me all this. <laughs> I also thought she was going to, um, I thought she was, I thought they were setting it up for her to shoot herself. They were like, where is she? She's not, that's what they were doing, right? Being like, where's mom? She's not at the graduation. And they were setting it up for her to like shoot herself in the forest. Oh, um, that could have been a a, a, a a way to read it. Certainly, um, I that was not my reading while watching it, but I could definitely see how you what drew was, that. Yeah, what was your reading of? She's not coming. She's not coming. But she I was thought in maybe the she was going to said. shoot somebody, whether it be oh. Natalie Portman or Charles Melton or or someone else. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I thought she was gonna she was gonna turn the gun outward instead of inward. But I I think either. Either reading could be completely, completely valid, given the the sort of vague nature of events that are happening. But then she just shows up. Then she's just like, by the way, my brothers didn't molest me. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, that was an interesting choice, too. And I was like, is that true? Is that not true? Exactly. We don't know. It's left up to the imagination, much like many of the events of Leave the World Behind. And I, yeah, and and I guess if we're going to find our through line, it's going to be that I liked the uncertainty more in May-December than I did in Leave the World Behind. There's a discomfort to the uncertainty in Leave the World Behind. Do you know what I mean? There's like a real like paranoia to the discomfort. And especially because you're just so used to movies like this or TV shows that are following a very sort of, you know, you're like, we're going to get to the big reveal. You know what I mean? Like you're 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 expecting the big reveal, um, and and I, you know. But if but if at the end of this movie, if they said like, oh, Russia did it, or it was climate change, or whatever, is that is that more interesting? Is that more fulfilling? Do you know what I mean? Then, what was that? Is it, is it actually more fulfilling if they're just like, uh, Korea did it? than what we get, which is a real vague uncertainty. Um, I guess I'm always, I'm always looking for the big, interesting mystery payoff, the knives out, interesting mystery payoff where I'm like, wow, somebody thought that's all the way through to this point. Mm -hmm. And I get frustrated when I'm like, okay, nobody finished it for me. (laughs) They didn't didn't finish the book. You forgot. Yeah, because I just want, I want someone to do the thing. But, but I also always want it to be something where I'm like, yeah, I believe it too. Because um, sometimes I'm like, eh, still not enough. Um, totally, totally. So, There's I don't know. There's a real art to paying off mysteries. Like, it's it's not easy to do. And, uh, half and of, to make I it would satisfying. Say more than half of the time, I'm disappointed. Absolutely. Um, so... And even if other people love that mystery, oftentimes I don't love the ending. So, yeah, I understand that it's hard to get there. It reminds me of uh, one of my favorite TV shows, Lost, which does answer most mysteries, but it answers them in such a way that people were still left unsatisfied. There's a lot of people out there who were so dissatisfied with the answers they got, they claimed that the mysteries weren't answered at all. But then there's the best example of the best mystery ever solved, which is Gossip Girl. And who was Gossip Girl? <laughs> and my favorite part about the answer to that mystery is they had a different answer first, and then it leaked online, and they changed what the answer was. Yeah. To the point where you go, what? <laughs> <laughs> who? Who was Gossip Girl? <laughs> and yeah. It's kind of incredible. It's kind of like, it's kind of iconic. 
learning who Gossip Girl is. I, I, would, I wouldn't dare and I'm gonna, spoil it for any listeners. I'm going to be smirch. You can spoil Gossip Girl. The, it it's ended been a out- long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> what was Chuck Bass? I'm Gossip Girl. Wasn't it? Yeah. Not, it was Dan, right? No, it's Chuck. I thought it was Dan. Am I wrong about the ending of Gossip Girl? Who is Gossip Girl? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, nobody has searched this question since 2012. Rufus? Who's Rufus? Oh, is that the brother? Father of Dan. Oh, that's horrible. What? <laughs> that makes no sense. Her true identity is revealed in the television series finale to be Rufus Humphrey. That's... However, both Georgina Sparks and Serena Vanderwoodson stole the blog at some point. Okay. Wow. Wild. Rufus! <laughs> we had a Gossip Girl scandal in middle school. We had somebody XOXO becoming, it was really random. It was somebody who was using the bio of a YouTube like channel, like didn't even put up YouTube videos, but a bio of a YouTube channel and would put gossip on there every day of like, which boys were talking to which girls and who was seen dating and whatever. And it was a really big deal at the time. Wow. That's crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. I understand how that could shake the foundations of a school. It really did, especially a small private school, but um, I don't think we ever, the mystery was never entirely solved. Yeah, we'll never, we'll never really know the identity of Gossip Girl. We'll never really know who committed the atrocities and leave the world behind that lead to New York, my home, getting nuked. I liked watching all the Teslas crash into each other. That, that was, was fun. Of, that was satisfying. I guess Elon had to sign off on that, or whoever is a brand ambassador over at Tesla. But, like, all of the self-driving cars being set to, like, jam up the highways in and out of New York City is, like, that's a that's fun. That's a very fun, like, apocalyptic sort of premise thing to happen. Yeah, and it's um, very, and it's like... A thrilling sequence. Really well done. It's very like, oh, the year it came out is the year it came out. <laughs> like, it, it's a good time capsule also of, like, where we are right now with yeah. our things for a self-driving Tesla to crash. For New York to, you know, I'm, I've seen New York get destroyed in a lot of different ways over the years on screen. You know, New York's always having the Godzilla's character. rampage through there. Aliens blow up various buildings, you know. The day after tomorrow, it's getting frozen. It's get you know, people love destroying New York City in apocalyptic films. But uh, I don't know if I've ever seen it just get straight up nuked before. And uh, that's a lot. Living here is interesting sometimes. <laughs> every, every movie wants to destroy us. And I don't know why. What did I ever do to you? Yeah, it's kind of an easy target. Mm-hmm. Iconic <laughs> city. Greatest city in the world, baby. Also, like, just designed so weird like why did you try to fit so much on an island on two islands perfect take up the whole island yeah what else were we doing for yeah i guess it wasn't like the plan when they started new york i'm sorry new amsterdam i guess that wasn't like they weren't like this is going to be the greatest city into world baby you know they, they they didn't know they just put some stuff here and it just grew yeah i think they were banking on like philly Right, yeah, where the where where we had our Continental Congress, you know, like whether that was the original capital where everything was going down. 
ports are interesting. Port cities are interesting because they're yeah. they're not always they're not like right on the ocean. They're usually like tucked into mm-hmm. things like B- Boston, da New Bay. York. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they, they're it's tucked tucked into. It's coved out. It's a real it's a real cove city, and I get why an insurgent military civil war force would choose it as a as a target in in the leave the world behind apocalyptic scenario i get why you would target the outskirts of new york city with your big loud noise weapon that (laughs) makes people's ears hurt and their teeth fall out that was weird yeah it's interesting and again it's another like we don't know we're never we're not gonna know the answer to this question yeah that was a uh, it was it was kind of a quiet place vibe but opposite a loud place (laughs) This is using, my sequel called The Loud Place. <laughs> using sound as a device for horror. Yeah, sound is a is a very classic torture method in military situations as well. Yeah. You know, loud sounds or when they when they, you know, invaded the Middle East, they were playing Lionel Richie's all night long, just on a loop, on blast, you know, for just as like a form of sonic torture. Um and that was and that was that's 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 the way that um, boy, I just, I feel like we've barely scratched the surface of what's going on in this movie. Um, there's a bunch of deer that are acting crazy that are sort of communing with the weird young fun. daughter. That uh, was fun. Love those deer. Uh, the deer are great. The daughter is interesting and her obsession with, she's an iPad kid. She loves that iPad. And what she loves doing on that iPad is watching old TV shows. And she really, really wants to watch the series finale of Friends. And uh, she can't do it because all the internet has gone out. There is still power. They still have electricity. You know, they have not cut out all all signs of life in that way. But, that was interesting, too. Yeah. Yeah. But the internet's gone. There's no connectivity. You can't get a solid news signal or anything like that. Um, and so she cannot watch the series finale of Friends. And that is, like, her primary goal throughout the film. That is that is her main her if if she had an I want song it would be about wanting to watch the series finale of Friends she needs to know what happens to Ross and Rachel it's it's the thing that she cares about more than more than her family more than more than anything she needs to watch the series finale of Friends and she gets her Disney ending she does I cat I cannot tell you how hard I was laughing at the final moments of this film. In a, in a way that is complimentary to the movie. <laughs> when that little girl goes down to the, the bougie bunker, turns on all the lights, and there is a giant wall of DVDs. It felt very sh- you. It was it like, was when that moment happened. I've never been so vindicated in my whole life. When I, yeah, when, I, when that moment happened, I was like, this was made for Kevin. This was made... I- for Kevin's eyes. I'm not a prepper. I'm not a Kevin Bacon style doomsday prepper. You know what I mean? You're not but a Kevin Bacon. You're a TV's Kevin Lanigan. Exactly. Um, six degrees of separation from TV's Kevin Lanigan. But Who doesn't like, love I TV. Think, famously. Famously think. doesn't love TV. Yeah. TV's Kevin uh, Lanigan. No, I love TV. It's just, it's a, it's just, there's, it takes so much time. Well, there's um, also a lot of it. There's also so much of it. And you know what? It'll still be there for me theoretically eventually i'll get to it um but what i'm trying to is it, like I, I i think about you know oh i should really like learn how to grow my own food you know just in case i should really you know have a one of those new york preparedness bags where they put the ghostbusters ad on the bus station and they're like new york have an escape plan like paul rudd in the film ghostbusters 
and I haven't done any of those things, and I feel and I feel bad about it. I don't know any skills that would really help me in a scenario like this, but I do have a lot of physical media, and when the apocalypse happens, the lights go down, the internet goes down, and you want to watch fucking Francis Ha, you gotta come to me. You if you want to watch seasons one through three of Arrested Development, you gotta come to my house. I'm going to go through 66% of the physical media that I have because Love I don't that. feel like going to the other side of this wall. And yeah, Drop Dead it. Gorgeous. You're going to be the last supplier of the DVD of Drop Dead Gorgeous. We have Nightmare Before Christmas. We have All That Jazz. We have, what is this one? Probably Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yes. We have Everything Everywhere All At Once. We have Spirit Away. We have Little Women. We have All About Eve. We have... Everything is Terrible's supercut of the Great Satan. We have Moonrise Kingdom. We have Victor Victoria. We have Goosebumps, specifically Monster Blood. We have Sweeney Todd. We have Moonlight. We have Fifty Fifty. We have the Lego Batman movie. We have Key and wow. Peele season one. I think that's the only TV show I have. We have Juno. We have He's Just Not That Into You after I watched it on a plane. And I was like, I do need that on DVD. Uh, oh, no. Glee season one. Uh, Fosse... 13 going on 30. Um, the I Girls' Room from The Amanda Show, Volume 2. Twilight. Uh, Josie and the Pussycats. I can't believe you're just listing. You're just listing. Best in Show. See. The Breakfast Club, Coraline. Wet Hot American Summer, Scott Pilgrim. Uh-huh. Romeo and Juliet, Peter Pan, but the live action Peter Pan with the sexy, the sexy one. My Neighbor Totoro, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Good Burger, <laughs> School of Rock, Ferris Bueller, and X-Men is 66%. There's still another wall of wow, it. Wow, there's another side to the cube. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I love that. I, um, I'm looking at a, a letterbox list of all the movies I own on DVD and Blu-ray. I have 326 movies on DVD and Blu-ray. That does not include any television seasons that i own like the good seasons of parks and rec or seasons of community and lost is and what i'm saying is you all laugh at me now (laughs) (laughs) when the lights go out did you see the the last of us did you see that show i saw half of it and got bored next question oh okay well do you know the episode i'm talking about i think it was three with nick offerman yeah that's a good episode. I wish yeah. every episode of The Last of Us was like that. That's also TV's Kevin Lanigan coded. A little bit. But he knows how to do stuff. I gotta get on the Nick Offerman level. Yeah. But without being weird about it. That's <laughs> the, that's another, you know, you're like, that's, that's a fine I line. should learn these things. But I'll get weird. But I don't want to be weird I'm about gonna it. I'm gonna get weird about it. Yeah. If Does I it start... make you weird or are you already weird and that's why you do it? I will say that, like, while you were talking about maybe I should learn these things, part of my brain started going to, like, okay, so if I do get a studio and then I'll have somebody sublet from me and take care of my cat and then I'll go to New Zealand and I'll do working on an organic farm and I'll finally do that. I'll finally learn how to work on an organic farm. I guess I could do it in Los Angeles, but I'd really rather go to New Zealand. And that's how far I got. And then I came back. Wow. Welcome back. But I should Welcome also back. learn these skills, and I, I would learn get weird to, about like, it. Tan hides into making rudimentary clothes. I should know how to make a shelter. You know what I how don't. How do you feel about tin fish? Oh, for my um my seven year sober birthday, the 
the weekend following our last pod. I did make it, guys. I got, I did make it. Congratulations. I, I did remain sober. Um, still remain sober. Uh, but we still have a holiday season upon us, so you never know, one day at a time. Um, I went camping for my sober birthday, and the goal of that was to learn how to do things camping, because no one ever taught me. And I did learn a few things. Not a lot of things, but a few things. A few things are better than no things. Yeah, yeah. So I could, I could pitch a tent, and... I did cook over a uh, open flame. I cooked some pasta. That was hey, fun. There you go. Um, yeah, I think I would be a little bit, a little bit okay, in a scenario, but not that okay. Somebody asked at a party once this year the question for the group. It was raining and we were in an Airbnb, but it was kind of in the woods. They were like, and I really, I still don't think I fully understand the question. But the question was, how far would you get? in society do you think if you were left alone like how how far into civil society would you get in making stuff if you were left alone you're allowed to have like an endless amount of clones of yourself but how far do you think you would get like would you make it to electricity would you make it to like if i'm playing a civilization game Right? Yeah. And I'm so what do you what do you think? Left to my own devices. Yeah, you know, but no, you have no you have reference a, material. No reference material just mm-hmm. today. Left if I were your Dr. own devices. Stone in the manga and anime, Doctor Stone. You so you get a bunch of use. You you have hands to help you make the things. How how far do you get? Do you think? Do you think you can get electricity? Do you think? What do you think? I I don't I don't, I don't think I'm getting to electricity dependent. You know, I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's going down like that. Not f- unless I feel how, like. How far if do I, you if, get? If my clones had, you know, access to a reference library. No, no, no reference exactly. library. Just I you could, in the woods, but a bunch of you, as many of you as you want in the woods. I get it. I could set up an agrarian society. I feel confident. I could figure out aqueducts. I could figure out uh, harvesting. I could figure out domesticating livestock. I could figure it out. It's hard work, but it's you know it's real work. I could get there. I think that's I think that's the limit. I don't think I would make it past a week. Yeah, you have a lot of like dietary restrictions <laughs> that I don't have. You know, in a, yeah. in a no, I could I eat a fish. You know, that's the difference between me and you. Yeah, I I thought about it and I was like, I, you put me out in the woods. I You're, think I would eat the wrong over. moss. I guess it would be trial and error. I would kill a bunch of me's before I would get to like. Oh, you can what, eat yourself. I got. I. In this I still think scenario? that would. I still think that would infect me somehow. I think I would get sick from that. You're allergic to yourself, ain't we all? <laughs> ain't we all? I am. I do think I am allergic to myself. I've thought well. that that about myself for a while. Um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't. I think I don't think I would make it that long. I I know I would have to kill a bunch of me a bunch of times, um, and I don't know at what point I'd be like, let's just kill the last one then. Let's, let's just, kill the let's last me. Call off the grand experiment, right? Yeah, let's, yeah, absolutely. You know, something I really like about the movie Leave the World Behind. I I thought the way that they intercut different sequences together was really interesting. Oftentimes, I think that 
robs a, a movie or show of tension and drama when we're always cutting away from like where the action is but like for instance in the climax where like they're having the the gun standoff with kevin bacon and you know ethan hawk is like desperately bargaining between two parties that are holding guns and it's intercut with julia roberts and and the other daughter you know trying to scare off a bunch of deer that are obviously going to try and kill them and like it's that is kind of like a fulfillment of both of their arcs in a, in an interesting way you know um i thought that it was really well done like shout out to the editor of this movie and and i think the score is really helping that as well i think there's a very like good tense interesting thriller score happening here i think it's i think it's effective i think it's i think it's fruitful and it works surprisingly well yeah that's an example that specific scene is an example of something i would want to see the um script of i think because yeah. i'm trying to write a short film right now and i'm having a hard time writing like do do i just break form and write this in second person instead of third person because i'm writing from the point of view of like we're like the pov of a of a five-year-old who is non-verbal and you never see the kid because the camera is the kid and you're like moving through the space or whatever mm-hmm. and so that main character doesn't have dialogue it's like characters around it having dialogue mm-hmm. at the camera or directed towards the camera and i'm yeah. I'm struggling to you just write that you just say like we are in the eyes of the child we move around the space that's what i would do personally i love a we, we to, to, okay to use the to we as the audience are moving around the space you know like we are in the eyes of a child we scurry across the floor you know like that is um yeah and that's i think what some I people do. like that and some people don't like that so it, it was there's hard to no make that choice yeah one way to do it you're not going to please everybody some people have very strict rules about like no camera movements none of that specific stuff in scripts some people think it's perfectly fine so all you can do is what you think works best for you and what pushes your idea across what you're looking for ultimately in a script is clarity clarity to the reader clarity to the actor to the production design to the camera team and if that is the best way to be clear then just do that yeah so i'm experimenting with both i realized that i hadn't like switched from second to third halfway through when i had a friend read it or whatever but i am i'm struggling with like the what do you leave for the editor and like, how do you communicate that? That's literally what script writing is. I know that, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in that right now of like, I, get it. I don't, I can't lean on dialogue or the inner cut of dialogue or mm-hmm. I am struggling with, I know how I want something to be edited or inner cut. How do you like communicate that in the script? I think mm-hmm. that's difficult to do. And it's nice to, when you see it play out, but I'm, I'm trying to find ways of how is that written? So Absolutely. And there's various different ways and just do whatever feels comfortable and clear to you and what feels comfortable and clear to to readers when you give it to them and and receive feedback, you know? Um, Yeah, it's just whatever whatever you fit with. You don't want to be constantly telling, you know, various different departments how to do their job. Uh, but also if there's something specific you need for the for the drama of the piece, you just got to you just got to be clear about it. Just put it in there. And if it doesn't work, you can just change it. No one's like. The script isn't law. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting putting words to paper as these things are. 
something I, I also found was very effective after the Kevin Bacon standoff when they've resolved it um, and they, they get the pills for the son's teeth because his teeth are coming out of his mouth. We haven't talked about this at all, but at a certain point I did. late I, in I, the film. I know, but we haven't like told them what it really is. Is that like just at a certain point later in the film, the characters wake up and the son starts losing teeth. In fact, not even that. losing teeth. He starts pulling them from his mouth, I which I was it. sure was going to be a dream sequence or something. Me too. And then, no, he just keeps pulling, and then he's just without six or seven teeth now. Yeah. Um, and they get the pills from Kevin Bacon, and then after this tense standoff where you're like, oh my god, Kevin Bacon is such a terrifying figure, then he starts going off on like conservative Facebook rant shit. It's like, yeah. you know, it's the Chinese or the Koreans, one of them. You know, it's just like, it's... It's right. This guy also doesn't fucking know anything for everything that he purports to say. For all his information about basement renovations, quote unquote, being secret bunkers being built. Like, he also doesn't know shit. Yeah. He fancies himself a wildlife survivalist. He fancies himself, you know, a a post-apocalyptic survivor. But he's your fucking conservative uncle on Facebook at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it confirms the suspicion. You're like, are you that personality type? And then it was like, ah, you are. Ah, yes. See, that's what I'm trying not to be while I also learn survival skills. Exactly. It's tough. It's like being a queer person, but wanting to like, well, I want to know how to shoot a gun, but I don't believe in guns, but I should probably know how. I probably shouldn't have the the lower hand in this. Yeah, you got to know how to defend yourself and you're like well you know maybe i should own a gun i don't want to own a gun but you know it's maybe just like an okay thing to have you know you don't want to be the person with you don't want to bring a knife to a gunfight but you're also like i don't want to be the sort of person that owns a gun yeah or i also don't i also don't think about guns enough that i'm afraid i would be caught with a gun in areas that i shouldn't have a gun and i wouldn't know that because i'm not in gun culture so i don't know gun laws so i would accidentally like cross lines state lines whatever with guns and i would be like oops or like have them on me and be like oops oh i didn't know because i don't you know like guns so i didn't know i wasn't supposed to have this gun i also overthink the safety of the gun all the time like seeing guys like stuff guns in their pants or like stuff guns in places like i've been want i watched a lot of narcos when i was in mexico because i wanted to educate myself yeah you wanted to be amongst (laughs) the people of course (laughs) i wanted to learn um because we our hotel was right next to one of pablo escobar's old casas and um I wanted to know. I wanted to know things. And you see Um, a guy, like, shove a gun down the front of his pants, and you go, whoa, ah, hey, whoa, hey, buddy. I get really freaked out about the safety. Like, I, even paintball. I'm like, how do you, how are you guys not afraid? And that's good. That means, that that means you're going to be good with the safety, because you're thinking about it all the time. Yeah, but then there's a scene in Narcos, no spoilers, where Pablo Escobar fucks this woman with a gun. Like, yeah, and I'm just like, what if you... What if you shoot the coot? You don't. You don't want to shoot you the coot. You do not want to shoot the coot. I mean, if you're, you know, if I were to fuck a woman with a gun, I would make sure it wasn't loaded. I suppose that would be That's my solution. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And also, similarly, in the movie Spring Breakers, one of the early A twenty four movies, also a lot of gunplay. And I like, I like guns, sort of. But no, I don't. I'm. Don't quote me on that. I don't like gun. But like, I think they're a fun um, visual device. But like, listen, you can't deny they look kind of cool on a camera. They look kind of like cigarettes. 
I'm, yeah, I'm not a fan of really either of those things, guns or cigarettes, but you cannot no. deny you look cool waving one around on screen. They look good. And you waving both, cool. one hand and a cigarette, oh, the other with a gun. Oh my god, that's the coolest gun. person I can imagine. Yeah, with a hat. Not a hat. Oh my <laughs> god, I'll never be that cool. Gun, cigarette, and hat. Yeah, not like a fedora though, but any other no. kind of hat. Like a kangol hat. Oh, a beanie's uh, good. Uh, uh, a cowboy hat. Yeah. Cowboy hat is great. I Cowboy hats do not look good on me, and I think that's good for everybody. Is that I think true? Yeah. I don't look good in most hats. I am H.O. That's really surprising to me. I, you Thank seem you. like a hat guy. You know, I would like to I see ha- you. I would like to see you in a cowboy hat. In a cowboy to hat. Maybe I just need to find the right cowboy hat because I have this gigantic head, this huge I, fucking potato head. I feel that way about hats too, but maybe it's because I have a small head. I feel that oh, way about head. cowboy hats too. <laughs> I it's didn't really know I was podcasting with little head. <laughs> <laughs> it's little head over here. It's little head and big head in the morning, and we're talking about <laughs> Julia Roberts' films. She's really good in this movie. She's asked to play a character who's extremely unlikable in many ways, but our girl is really good in this in this film, and it doesn't feel like one of those meager, like, ah, she made the best with what she was given. Like, I think she is the star of the picture. She's the top build number one, um, and she is asked to play a Karen in many ways, and even, like, the scene in the weird shed cabin thing that had the indent of a person and we didn't that's another thing we don't really follow up on um but she's out there with the with gh's daughter and you know she gets to her monologue about you know that that fucking thing i hate in scripts where it's like oh it's time for a character to explain their motivation (laughs) and you know the character goes like why are you like this and julia roberts has to give her whole like thesis on humanity and she does a she does a bang up job. She does a bravura job. And that's leave the world behind. Let's leave the world behind. Flamingos in the pool. That's oh, leave I the liked world that. Behind. That was that was. I just pleasing. love flamingos. Me too. Those are great guys. I love flamingos. Ethan Hawke's great in this movie, but you know Ethan Hawke's great in everything. What else is new? He can make yeah. He can make the, anything sound natural. That that opening sequence when I was like everything sounds weird. I was like watching how like it sounded fine when he was saying the words and then her words felt weird and I was just like they're in two different scenes. He just what really has this? this great everyman quality. You know, Julia Roberts has her famous perfect teeth and Ethan Hawke has his famously imperfect teeth. He has sort of a regular person's teeth. Yeah. Um and that is something that is charming about him. Everyone in Hollywood has to have these perfect veneers now and honestly i find it creepy like in an alien movie or a robot movie i think veneers are creepy i don't like them valid you have pretty straight teeth thank you they're relatively straight i didn't have to get my wisdom teeth taken out i still got them that's why i'm so fucking smart oh i guess you do have i got big old fucking mouth (laughs) but your top teeth are very straight yeah, thank I, you. Yeah, the bottom teeth are a little crookeder, but it's not it's not a serious concern. It's not like Will Ferrell teeth. No offense, King. Producer yeah. of May December, Will Ferrell. Oh yeah, random. What was the Gloria Sanchez what what was that? Yeah, so um Greg Sanchez was the production company that Will Ferrell and Adam McKay started um to finance other people's films you know just get the get the producer credit on all those things and then gloria sanchez was the spin-off company to fund projects from women and uh adam mckay and will ferrell had a somewhat very public falling out 
And uh, but it seems like Will Ferrell kept Gloria Sanchez because he's a producer on May December, and Adam McKay isn't, and it's a Gloria Sanchez production. So I guess yeah. he kept Gloria Sanchez in the divorce. Yeah, I tried to I tried to catch up on that. Another thing. clue that this movie's a comedy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That Will Ferrell's on it. That Will Ferrell produced that. Uh, you know, not that you know Mel Brooks produced the Elephant Man. It's not you know it's not a one to one, but still. I was in the uh, Elephant Man as a um, ninth grader. We did a play wow. of the Elephant Man. So powerful when a ninth yeah. grader does it. I still remember the monologue. It's about having it- acne now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a metaphor. Hazel remember Grace. when Bradley Cooper did the Elephant Man without wearing any makeup at all? And then when he wanted to play Leonard Bernstein in the film Maestro, he needed a big fake prosthetic nose. I think about that a lot. Uh, and then I saw photos of of that person. And Leonard they, Bernstein? He, yeah, and he didn't have a big he, nose. He does. It depends on the angle that you look at it from. you know. But uh, I will say, as someone who has seen Maestro... The nose isn't that big, like in context. You know, it like it looks like a regular nose through most of the movie. Why did he need a prosthetic nose at all? Why couldn't he just use his regular Bradley Cooper nose? That's actor brain at work, baby. That's the, <laughs> that's the kind of genius actor brain that Bradley Cooper's operating on. That's that new school actor brain. That's that writer director, right? Because now no one can tell you no. Mm-hmm. No, Bradley, you don't need a big prosthetic nose. Right. Anyway, my show's fine. You'll probably like it. it. I yeah. don't need to see it. Fair enough. Yeah. I don't know. Leonard Bernstein, writer of the music of West Side Story, goes to Da Club in the movie. Don't you want to see him at Da Club? Sure. I'll okay, see it if I see it, you know? Fair enough. It comes out on Netflix right around Christmas. So, you know, if you're bored enough. I don't know if you're going to spend time with family or whatever. But I am. We're going to see the kill color time purple. With, with the sibling. Yeah, we'll see. We're going to see The Color Purple on Christmas. It, it is a, like a family tradition if there's a musical movie out on Christmas sure. to Great see. Showman. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Perfect. You know, I give Netflix a lot of very justified shit for a lot of reasons. But they've produced a good crop of movies this year, especially like award season movies between May, December and Leave the World Behind and Maestro. Like... They've racked up a pretty solid track record this year. Not since, like, 2019 when they had Marriage Story and The Irishman in the same year. Have I been like, well, damn, good job. Like, (laughs) making sure these filmmakers had some interesting movies out there. Yeah, now we're allowed to say the word Netflix because the strikes are over. Yeah, previously we were afraid. (laughs) We thought Fran Drescher would shoot us with a gun. Right. Yeah, but now we're here. Anyway, leave the world behind. Uh, check it out. You know? Or don't. You or know. don't. No sweat off had, my bag. Thanks for listening we, to the show. Yeah, we, we had to cover it anyway, so. We had to. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't mad about it. And certainly, we had a lot to say. We've been recording for nearly two hours. Yeah. Um, so, we gotta get these episodes back down. That's, that's, in 2024, getting back to 90-minute episodes. I was um, just, I was following following your lead uh, you know Thank you. i kept going because you kept going and <laughs> it's not it was not no one no one is at fault here you know we had a lot to talk about i haven't talked to you in a month you know so it was just nice to catch up with my friend 
we had to list all the DVDs you could see with your eyes. You know, these are things that we had to do. This is this is important. That did the... not take that much time, though. It really, it, it didn't. It didn't. I'm just yeah, making fun of you. Um, but you didn't do anything. You you've done nothing wrong in your whole life, cat. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I know that already. <laughs> that um, I know. Perfect. So this has been Leave the World Behind. Uh, I am TV's Kevin Lanigan on all the stuff. Uh, get episodes of this very podcast one full week early over at patreon.com slash TV's Kevin. Uh, and so if you're already a patron over there, hey, thanks. If you're not a patron over there, uh, you know, I'm working on stuff. And it'd be nice to have some money. And it'd be nice to be able to send more money to my friend Kat here. And uh, yeah. that's the place to do it. Yeah, because I haven't seen a dollar for this, but I know that. And Julia, thanks for listening. Thanks Julia, for thank you for being a number one podcast subscriber. <laughs> thank you for leaving five stars on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you for being my most dedicated patron. We appreciate you. Yeah, we do. We're glad you're finally with us. You're finally with You've been with us from the beginning, Julia. Don't lie, <laughs> Don't lie to me. I know you're there. And uh, we love you and we respect you. And I'm really enjoying going through your uh, dense and interesting filmography. Cat, uh, anything you want the people to know about? Um, I'm not really on my Instagram through the holidays, so you don't need to go there. Um, you know, just keep me in your mind and your thoughts. <laughs> thoughts and prayers. For, remember, I'm, for <laughs> remember I'm live. Um, and then I'll do creative stuff eventually. Um, but for now I'm, I'm in a writer's, I'm going inward, you know? You're in the, you're in the writing zone. That's an important yeah. zone. I am in yeah. this zone as well. We share. We're in. We're we're in the chalk zone together. You're writing um, a secret book, right? Writing a secret book, and I'm like thirty four thousand words in. So you know we're we're trucking. We're trucking through this secret book, and uh, I hope to have more information on the secret book soon. But uh, that requires me to keep working on it. Yeah. And you can find that over at Patreon.com/slash/TVScavenge. I'm sorry. There is one. There's two more things I want to do before we sure. close out this episode. One sure. is tell the people what our next episode is. But another is a little... I don't know if it's a game. We're just going to talk about something. Um, so, I don't know if you know, but Letterboxd Social Media does this thing on the red carpet when they interview celebs, actors, and directors. They ask them for their four favorite movies. Yeah. That's their big red carpet trick. Julia did recently give an answer to this question. Oh, my God. And I'm wondering, do you want it to be a guessing game? No. Do you want me to just tell you? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Film number one on Julia's four favorites. The Triplets of Belleville. Would the French animated film. Never would have gotten there. Kind of an incredible pull from, from Julia Roberts. Honestly, everyone interviewed gave good answers. Ethan Hawke, of course, gave great answers. You knew that he had taste. Um, what were his? I want to know his too. Uh, I don't have those saved as a picture on my phone, but you know, we'll we I'll, I'll I'll find the video on Insta and I'll send it to you. Um, Julia's second film, Now Voyager, starring Bette Davis, incredible! What a pull! Now Voyager. Here's number three, complete curveball to what has happened before: The Adventures of Milo and Otis. The film about the little dog and the little cat that I think resulted in the death of some animals in its no, production. That's so sad. 
the Adventures of Milo and Otis. And uh, number four, Julia's fourth favorite film, The Fall, directed by Tarsum Singh, uh, who we will cover one day on this podcast regarding the film Mirror, Mirror. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. The Fall. Anyway, interesting top four from our girl, Julia. Interesting top four. I respect you, Julia. I know you're listening. And I appreciate you. I see you. I understand you. Um, and of course, what are we going to do next on the show? Well, listeners, you're going to get another episode pretty soon after you're listening to this one. Uh, because of a new annual tradition that Kat and I have decided to start. Uh, because there is one movie in Julia's filmography that we have just gotten so many requests to be guests for. Um, and I suspect as this podcast goes on, we will continue to get more requests. So I think it would be, and we decided, what are we going to do? Are we going to have a giant episode? Are we going to have one month where we cover this movie four or five times? No, those are silly. That's, you're talking crazy. What we're going to do is form a new annual tradition where every New Year's Eve, you, the listener, get a brand new podcast episode about the movie My Best Friend's Wedding starring Julia Roberts. We're going to watch it every year that we do this podcast and you get it as the last thing you can listen to before that ball drop. Uh, and I'll figure out exactly when you should start listening to the podcast so you can hit midnight exactly as we are ending the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. I will we do ex- that for you. We expect listener. you to forego a kiss and just go straight to the pod or hit play, then kiss or kiss, maybe then pod, but you'll be a little behind the rest of I, people. My ideal scenario is a is a couple sitting in a room listening with over-ear headphones on two different devices, starting the podcast at the same time, and then kissing as it resolves. That's beautiful to me. Yeah, yeah, and, I like that. And that's that. what I want. That's, that's we could what also, I want. We could also time it each year so that we can tell you, like, to start it so that it ends right as ball drop. That's that exactly we can what do. it is. That's yeah. what I was saying, exactly. That we can exactly. do for you. We can um, set Ethan, that up for you. Ethan Hawke and I do share... Our, uh, one of our four favorite films. I love that. Me, me and Ethan Hawke share all that jazz. Oh, as of course. A favorite. Yeah. An incredible film. And his others are Do the Right Thing, Paris, Texas, and Reds. Can't fight it. Can't argue with it. What are <laughs> kind yours? Of, kind of an unassailable list. Let me, let me look up TV. I change mine on my letterbox every month. Um, oh, So you cool. can't, you can't pin me down. But you know what? We're having fun here. We're having fun here in the. Uh, all right, I'm going to give you four right here, right now. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you Nashville by Robert Altman. I'm going to give you Bringing Up Baby. I am going to give you Raising Arizona from the Coen Brothers. And I am going to give you uh the world's end from edgar wright leave the world behind at the world's end at the world's end that's the way the news goes so that's off the dome top four uh there's another 100 movies i could put in that top four but 
Numbers don't add up. Cascott, what's your top four? All That Jazz. Great. Juno. Of course. Josie and the Pussycats. Scott Pilgrim. You know what? Can't argue with it. We both had Edgar Wright on our list. That's fun. Yeah, that is fun. Um, Josie and the Pussycats, which is maybe still streaming on the Criterion channel. <laughs> so good. And that uh, makes an total film. sense. Incredible Absolutely. Film. Earnestly belongs in there. Um, I agree. Should should get a disc. Should get a Criterion disc release. Not kidding. Absolutely. No cap. I'm not kidding. Um, not kidding. But uh, yes, of course, dear listener, we will be back in just a couple weeks with our first go round at my best friend's wedding. We'll make some resolutions. <laughs> how many times are we going to do karaoke this year? How many how many weddings are we going to break up? Uh, and until <laughs> next time, listener. Get those damn flamingos out of your pool. They don't belong in there. And here's a song from TV's Kevin Lanigan about leave the world behind. You're gonna leave. Leave that world behind. You gotta go. Shake your damn behind. Yeah. Leave your life behind you on the dance floor baby girl leave yeah. your life behind you and say goodbye to this world leave your life behind you leave that world behind how's that produced by the obamas <laughs> barack obama's top song 2023 former president current a uh, maker upper of best of the year list of things he definitely read and watched. It is kind of funny to see him put that out and then to see like Lucy Dacus be like, you're a war criminal. Why are you listening to my music? It's very funny when he puts those out and you're like, huh, this feels incredibly intentionally manicured to be like finger on the pulse list you definitely watched the worst person in the world barack obama you watched that movie for sure <laughs> for sure i'm on to you obama roll on thunder shine on lightning the days are long and the nights are frightening nothing matters anyway and that's the hell of it Winter comes and the winds blow colder Well, some go wiser, you just grew older You never listened anyway, and that's the hell of it Good for nothing, bad in bed Nobody likes you, you're better off dead Goodbye, goodbye We've all come to say goodbye, 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 goodbye. Born defeated, died in vain Super destructive, you were hooked on pain And though your music lingers on All of us are glad you're gone If I could live my life half as worthlessly as you I'm convinced that I'll wind up burning too Yourself as you love no one Be no man's fool and be no man's brother We're all born to die alone You know that's the hell of it Life's a game where they're bound to beat you And time's a trick they can turn to cheat you And we only wasted anywhere That's the hell of it Good for nothing, bad in bed 
Nobody likes you and you better off dead goodbye. Goodbye. We've all come to say goodbye. 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 Born defeated, died in vain. Super destructive, you were hooked on pain. Though your music lingers on, well, all of us are glad you're gone. But sweeter. Please tell your friends about this show. That was quite a show. Very entertaining. This has been a talk back podcast.